Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Today we're starting a series of sermons over the next six to eight weeks on who's your one. Who's your one? I'm going to stay in the Gospel of John, okay? Going to stay in the Gospel of John, and we are going to look at individual conversations that Jesus had with one individual at a time. Speaking about, talking about life, talking about how you and I can have spiritual conversations with one And I am asking you, even now, be thinking about an individual that may be in your family, an individual that may be at your workplace, an individual who is a friend, he or she is far from God. Maybe they're running from God. Maybe they don't profess to be a follower of Christ. Maybe they do profess but are not living. We're not the judge of that, but their fruit does not show that. And over this semester, I want, I want us to be praying for that individual, you to be praying for that individual. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage us, challenge myself, encourage myself to um, start conversations, conversations with our Father about these and conversations with them about our Father. Um, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to John chapter 3. This morning, we are going to look at a conversation, a bold conversation that is um, taken between a man by the name of Nicodemus and Jesus. This conversation starts in verse 1. I'm not going to read the text at this moment because at the end of us kind of Looking through this passage, I am going to share seven bold truths, and we will walk through the text. So, But you can follow along as I um, tell this account in John's Gospel between Jesus and Nicodemus. There was a man who was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, He was a part of the Sanhedrin. It is stated that the Sanhedrin, for us to kind of understand this, the Sanhedrin were sort of like the Senate and the Supreme Court combined. The United States Senate and the United States Supreme Court kind of combined. That was the Sanhedrin. He was a ruler of the Jews. He made sure that the law was taken place. One of the 70 leaders in all of Israel came to Jesus and started a conversation. And John records that that conversation began at night. Think about it for a second. You're there in the house. You have your closest friends. You have your family all around. You have finished supper. The door is shut. Everything is great. 
It is great. You're talking. You're catching up about the day, about the week. You're trying to figure out who caught the most fish with the four fishermen that are in the group. You're trying to think about all the people that you came in contact with that just think that everything that you are doing and your group is about chatter throughout the town. A knock on the door. And one of your enemies is at the door. One of those who you don't like, your group doesn't like, who definitely doesn't like you is at the door. The whole mood in the room changes, right? You were amongst friends, and now there is a so-called foe standing in the doorway. He enters in. And a conversation starts. And the first words out of his mouth are these. Jesus, we know that you're from God. We know this because there's no way that you could do the signs, plural, the miracles, the works that you have been doing if you weren't from God. We know you're from God. And the conversation from Jesus' side to this man, Nicodemus, does not even respond to that statement, but he says something along these words. If you're not born again, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It just goes right by you. You, you cannot, cannot even see it, Nicodemus, if you're not born again. And Nicodemus catches that phrase, born, and his neurons in his head say, how, how in the world can a grown man be born again? Does he have to Go back up inside his mind. How in the world can, can he do that? I mean, he's just churning and churning. And you can see the wheels of his mind by his facial expressions. And he's stuck there. And Jesus continues the conversation. And says, Nicodemus, the flesh is flesh and the spirit is Spirit, and for you to know the kingdom, for you to enter into the kingdom, you must be born both of water and the Spirit. Seeing that Nicodemus still doesn't get it, Jesus says, okay, think about it this way. Think about it this way. There... On your way over here tonight, we can hear it right now, but on your way over here tonight, you were walking down the the street and the wind was blowing. You didn't see it before it got to you. You didn't see it when it was at you. You didn't see it after it left you, But, but you knew the wind was blowing because you felt the effects of the wind, right, Nicodemus? It's the same with being born again. It's still not registering with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, 
says to him, how can these things be? Trying to get to the point of the time, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you are a teacher of the law. Nicodemus, you have spent your years memorizing the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. You know the law. You have memorized passage after passage. You have studied the prophets. How is it that you are a teacher of the law and you don't understand what I'm telling you? If I'm telling you earthly things, which I've been talking about, how in the world are you going to get heavenly things? Let me try one more time, Nicodemus. You know Moses, right? You know when he came out of the uh, bondage of slavery in Egypt and he was there with the million plus in the wilderness and the snakes came because they were uh, murmuring and complaining and God sent the snakes and every time a person um, was around one of these snakes, the snake bit them and they died and they cried out to God and of course Nicodemus said, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. What did God do for the children of Israel? Well, he told Moses to put a serpent, a bronze serpent, to form a bronze serpent on a pole and to put it in the center of the camp. And every time somebody was bitten by one of those poisonous, deadly snakes, they were to look on that pole at that serpent and they would be healed. Yep. In the same way, Nicodemus, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And anyone who sees that, who believes that, they will have eternal life. You know, those 15 verses of John chapter 3, that conversation that Jesus had with a ruler leads us into probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture. A week and a half ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go over to um, a pastor retreat in Alabama where there was about 16 of us. There were 15 or 16 of us in the room, and there was a theologian who was teaching, um, written numerous commentaries, numerous books, uh, was my professor at seminary 20 plus years ago. Uh, he came in and just walked through the gospel of John with us. And we got to this verse, the space in between John chapter 3, verse 15, and the spay and the start of John chapter 3, verse 16. And he just opened a huge can of worms for the 16 preachers that were in the room. Some of you um, in your lap or at your house, when you opened to John chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16, um, you know that Jesus said those words because they are written in what? Red. Some of us just have 
black ink on white pages, but you smart ones have uh, red and black ink on white pages. And he said, I don't know if Jesus said that or not. Because if you look at it from 16 through 21, you see that this may just be John's commentary on the conversation. And one of my friends, sometimes he's a little more smart aleck than I am. I will leave his name blank so when he might possibly listen to this, he won't know it's him, but it was him. He said, and I seconded his saying, whether it was Jesus speaking it then or not, he spoke it because he spoke all of Scripture. So Jesus said it. For God so loved the world. For God so loved this section in River Bend and this section and this section in River Bend. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him They would not perish. They would not die. Spiritual death forever. They would not perish, but they would have eternal life. When you see this conversation, and you read through this conversation, and you look at the questions that Nicodemus brought, and the answers and the questions that Jesus raised the statements that he made, the content that is there. I believe there are seven bold truths for you and for me and how you and I can have conversations like these with those that are around us. First bold statement or the first bold truth Look there in verses 1 through 3. Let me read them for us. We'll key in on verse 2. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know. We know that you're a teacher sent that has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The first bold truth is this, a bold conversation is had and stays the course all along. Nicodemus came with his own reasoning of entering in that house. It states there that he came at night. Why did he come at night? Is that just an incidental statement from John that is recorded here? That it, John just remembers this. You, you and I need, need to understand that John's gospel is the last of the gospels to be written. There are three before him, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not just because they're before him in, in order in Scripture. No, there are three gospels accounts written before John records his. 
And those three are called the synoptic gospels because they're similar to each other. They, they tell a similar, they tell similar stories of or episodes of Jesus' life. They are very similar in the way that they're written. And then John writes, more than likely 20 plus years after the third synoptic gospel is written, John records this, probably in the late 80s or early 90s of the first century. And what he records is something or episodes that are outside of what the other gospel writers recorded. And he is writing to a specific group, more than likely the church at Ephesus and the believers there in Asia Minor, combating a ton of persecution as he writes these words. And so he remembers an evening conversation that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. And it is possible that it is an incidental statement that he came by night, but more than likely, it is that John is referring to not just the time of day, but the time in Nicodemus's life. He is dark. There is no spiritual light that is in him because he does not know Christ. He brings that up later in this passage, verses 17 down through verse 21, talking about light and darkness. But a bold statement, this conversation, it starts there and it must stay the course all along and we have heard, walked through it and we will walk through it. A second truth, When I was reading this, the second truth just jumped out at me, and it's not necessarily just in this passage, but it is it is is looked at in this passage, it's looked at in other passages, and the truth is this. One birth equals two deaths. Two births equals one death. One birth equals two deaths, two births equal one death. Brian, what do you mean? If you have just been born of the flesh, if you have just been physically born, there will be two deaths that you go through. Sir, ma'am, student, adult, there will be two deaths that you go through. One death, physical. Second death, spiritual, eternal. But if there have been two births in you, born of the flesh and born of the spirit, there will only be one death physical. There in verses 3 through 5, Jesus records twice that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The word there, born again, Kostenberger in his commentary, the uh, scholar who came and spoke with us for a few days, states it this way, born again, born from above, In chapter 3, verse 3, is further explained, born of water and spirit. And then he uses this term, John does, there in verse 3 and also in verse 5. Look with me there in verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
in verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That term, kingdom of God, in those two verses, that's kind of foreign to John. John doesn't speak of kingdom things in those terms. He, he speaks of eternal life. He speaks of everlasting life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. In chapter 10, verse 27, he says, hey, I've come that you might have life. You're, you're going to be put in my hands, and nobody's going to be able to take you out of it, and you're going to have eternal life. And just to make it doubly secure, I'm going to be in the Father's hands. So you're in my hand, and I'm in the Father's hands, and no one or nothing can take you out of his or my hands. You will have eternal life all throughout his gospel and all throughout the epistles that he writes, he speaks of life, not necessarily a kingdom. But here in this passage, he speaks of the kingdom of God. So, what is he speaking of? A second statement that you and I need to understand, or a third truth. The whole new kingdom, it comes into existence for those who are born again. A whole new kingdom comes into existence for those who are born again. Nicodemus couldn't see it. Nicodemus couldn't experience it. It is a bold truth from Scripture. Those who believe, those who are followers of Christ, experience a whole new kingdom. Fourth bold truth. Physical life and spiritual life are two separate realities. Let me read for us verse 5 and verse 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Brian, I don't understand. What is the, the point that Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to see? Nicodemus, you come in here with all kinds of head knowledge. Nicodemus, you know the law front and back. You know the Old Testament. You, you say that you know the Old Testament front and back. You say that you have memorized because you are part of the Sanhedrin. You are a ruler of the Jew, that you have memorized Genesis through Deuteronomy, that you have spent from the age of 17 to 30 to look at nothing else than all the prophets, major and minor. That's what you do every single day in school. You say you know the Word of God. Well, if you would know that, then you would understand what Ezekiel states in Ezekiel chapter 36, speaking of the flesh being born of it, and speaking of the Spirit, that God would place His Spirit in His people, those who were His followers. And it's not happening. Physical life and spiritual life are two separate realities. Paul picked up on this in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 18, Paul records these words for those in that church, but I say walk 
by the Spirit and you will not gratify, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They're two separate realities. A fifth bold truth. Understanding the gospel, church, understanding the gospel is a heart issue and not a head issue. Look at this in verses 9 through 11. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? I'm coming to you, Jesus, not, not with pretense like the Pharisees normally do, I'm not coming to try to trick you up, or to try to trip you up. I'm not trying to come here and trick you. I'm, I'm actually seeking you. This is true conversation. I am trying to figure these things out. I'm coming to talk to you about this. How can these things be? And Jesus answered him. Are you a teacher of the law yet you don't understand these things? Truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We speak of those things and we bear witness to what we have seen. But you, you do not receive our testimony. You do not receive our witness. The same statement or word that is used there for bear witness is the same word that is used at the end of that verse. Witness and testimony is the same, and it is the word for martyr. What do we know as a martyr? A martyr is this. A martyr is a person who who knows what he or she believes, and they are testifying it even to the point of death. And it started in the 60s uh, A.D. with Nero. There was a great persecution, and there were martyrs for the faith from that the Roman Empire killed. Two more quickly, and we close. A sixth truth is this. Knowing Jesus or believing in Jesus matters. Honestly, it's the only thing that matters. Listen to the words that Jesus states in verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses Lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Nicodemus, you believe, but you don't believe the way you should believe. Everyone in here has heard today. They have heard facts about Jesus. Every one of us in the room, we've heard facts. If we've ever sat under a a preacher who's preached the word of God, we have heard fact after fact after fact. It is head knowledge 
but only those who have a heart knowledge and a heart understanding and heart trust and heart belief will be saved. Knowing Jesus, believing in Jesus, it matters. It honestly is the only thing that matters. And there's a difference. James chapter 2 verse 19 states it this way. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe. Same word. Even the demons believe and shudder. A final statement, bold truth. Try to apply it and close the sermon. What do we do when we have the conversation and they don't get it? When someone doesn't get it, bold truth, we continue to love them. When someone doesn't get Jesus, we continue to love them. Why? Because there was a long time in your life that you didn't get it. And Jesus loved you. There was a long time in my life that I didn't get it. And let's be honest, there are still moments in our lives that we don't act as if we get it. And we do get it. And Jesus loves us. And you and I are to act like, live like, speak like Jesus. Because he lives in you. If you are a son or a daughter of the king. Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. That conversation was not, it didn't end the way that Nicodemus thought when he was knocking on the door that it was going to end. The conversations that you and I have this week, we may play them over in our mind over and over and over again. This is how it's going to happen. This is what he's going to say. If I say this, he's going to say that. If I say this, he's going to ask that. And It may happen that way this time. It may not even be close to that. But that shouldn't stop you or me from having the conversation. Second point of application, and I will close, I promise. Doing the math, seven point something billion people on the face of the earth, 339, 359 million people living on this continent, 330-something million people living in this country, 2.9 million people living in our state, 100-something thousand living in our county, and 16,000 living in our city. Roughly on a monthly basis, there are about a hundred and 60 different people that come in this room or in this building on a weekly basis. So in a month, there's about 160 different of you, different of us, that walk in here. What if every one of us, all 160 of us, would have one conversation would have one person 
that we would pray for, that we would ask God to give us an opportunity to share with, that we would have a conversation with this semester. That 160 would be 320. What's stopping you from having that conversation? He has given you not a spirit of fear, but of power. He has given you the very best that he has. He has given you himself to live in us. This week, right now, why don't you, I'm going to lead us in prayer, but why don't you pray and say, okay, Father, I'm yours. I know that. I have surrendered that. God, show me who you would have to be my one. And God, give me, give me the time that I can share with him or her. And God, I know you're not just working on me because you're working on them as well. Who's your one? Heavenly Father, we come. Father, it's easy for me to think about seven billion people, almost eight billion people, and think that there is no single way to get the gospel to every one of them. God, your word states that when the gospel has been preached to all the ethne, to all the nationalities, that's when you'll come back. Father, we live in a city that has a church on, if not every corner, a church on most corners. God, it hurts me. Father, it hurts me to to know that almost seven in ten, Lord, don't go to a church regularly that live in my city. That are chasing things other than you with their lives. And there is no substance There's no weight in those things. They are passing, Father. God, you have called me, you have called us, this church, to be salt and light right here. And Father, I haven't led well in that. I'm sorry for that. Father, help me, enable me. Father, direct me to lead this body these men and women, these students in this area of ministry. For you love Hernando. God, may we seek your face to know the one, whether they're in our house or they live down the street or they're at the work site. God, we would lift them up. We would pray for opportunities. We would take those opportunities that you give because you are faithful. 
Maybe today you've heard the conversation of Nicodemus and Jesus. And you find yourself like Nicodemus, one who does not know Jesus. One who has never been born again. Sir, ma'am, student, adult, please don't leave today without realizing where you stand with, with the Father. Without realizing that He loves you and wants you to be His child. If you would like to talk about that, the only thing that matters, you being born again, don't leave today. We're going to have a time of response. You can come talk to me then or you can talk to me after the service, but I'd love to share with you more about spiritual birth. Alex is going to lead us. We're going to stand and join with me and him and uh, respond back to our Father. Alex? You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live Sith.